What is up, everybody? How are we doing today? So good. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Uh, next weekend is Super Bowl Sunday, so wear your team colors. I will be preaching in a Mahomes jersey, for those of you who wondered. Uh, Shout out to everybody who's visiting. If you're here for the first time, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we're truly a church for everyone. Um, for all of you who are in the chapel or in the lobby watching, we love you. We have a plan to make space for you. And if you come next week, you get to hear all about it. It's great to be back with you guys. Um, and so before I finish our Jumpstart series, I want to just take a few minutes uh, that we planned out to let you know what's coming down the pipe. As you know, um, we have been growing. Our city is growing. We've been talking about uh, all that's happening in our church. And so um, we have been working for about a year behind the scenes to really roll out what we feel is our vision for the future of what God has been doing. We're going to celebrate where we're at. We're going to celebrate what God has done. But we're also going to be looking for what we believe that God has for our church. We've been praying. We've been strategizing. We have been fasting, all of the above. And so February is going to be anything other than normal for us. Um, starting out, we're going to start our, our series. Our vision series is going to be called For Everyone. It's going to look like this. Say, For Everyone. For, and that was okay. It was okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get better. Um, for Everyone. But why For Everyone? Well, there's a few reasons why we're, our vision is about everyone. First of all, we are, we truly want to be, we really are a church for everyone. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is or your denominational background or where you're at on your uh, relationship with God. It doesn't matter what kind of a past you bring in. We want everybody to know that they are welcome to come as they are, experience the love and the presence of God. Uh, we believe our job is to, is to present Jesus and love like Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit's job is to speak to us where we're at. Amen. Uh, and so we have been a church that way and we are a church for everyone. And this isn't just some strategy we read in a book. We actually got Got the idea from Jesus himself. I know, crazy, right? Because uh, Jesus was for everyone in a time and in a society where it was about staying with your clan and your tribe and kind of preserving yourself. Jesus was regularly going out and including outsiders and dining with people that you shouldn't associate with and loving people that were supposed to be unlovable and touching those who were supposed to be untouchable. And so Jesus is for everyone. Therefore, we are for everyone. Amen? Amen. Amen. Also, the number one is significant here, isn't it? This means something to us, doesn't it? Yes, many of you are nodding your head because around here we talk about who's your one. And your one is that one person that you are praying for and that you are actively participating to see come to know Jesus uh, by whatever means necessary uh, in, in their life. And so if you walk into our worship center right out in the lobby, there's about 1,500 clothespins with names on them that we wrote this time last year that we're believing that are come to God. The cool part is hundreds of those people have given their lives to Jesus in the last 12 months, which is incredible. Uh, but there's a whole bunch more. And the reality is if all of them got saved or came to church and found God, we wouldn't have room for them. And so we want to talk about where we're going. We want to talk about um, what that means for us, how you can be a part of it. But those are our ones. And so this is for everyone who doesn't yet know Jesus, but we believe is going to and may or may not be a part of this church. And, and on that note, if Jesus were to have a one, if Jesus were to walk this earth and you were to say, hey, Jesus, so who's your one? What do you think his answer would be? Everyone, right? So we, I know, like crazy good stuff. I know it's really brilliant. Uh, so we are for everyone. Uh, so, uh, so what does that mean for us? As I said, as the city grows, as the church grows, we want to just be prepared for what God is doing. And that's not going to happen on accident. 
And so we're going to be doing our For Everyone series starting next weekend, starting on Super Bowl weekend, wear your colors, uh, but it's kind of our Super Bowl too. But in addition to that, there's other things that we want you to know about that we want you to hear from me and the team personally that we aren't going to have time to cover throughout the month of February on the stage. And it's for that reason we have our vision nights. Um, we have 13, I believe, right now scheduled where different homes and locations around Cape Coral, North Fort Myers, where you get to be uh, with us. I'm going to be in front of you in a more personal intimate uh, opportunity for us to lay out the vision. You can hear where are we going? What are we doing? What's it going to take? What does this mean? And how you can be a part of it. And so these are happening most weeknights throughout the month of February. Uh, and for me, I cherish the opportunity just to connect with you and do some questions and answers and stuff that we don't have the luxury of doing when this many of us gather um, on a Saturday or on a Sunday. So what does that mean for you? I'm asking, I'm inviting, I'm imploring every single one of you after service, or even right now, if you want to take out your phone, I wouldn't be mad, uh, to sign up for one of our vision nights. Um, what we decided to do is rather than assign you an evening where we invite you to a place not knowing your schedule and your calendar, they're open registration for all 13 of these evenings. And so if you go on our app or if you go on our website, there's a button that you can click just to register and it will tell you all the different parts of town and it will give you um, different evenings that you can sign up for. The locations are just for you to know kind of what part of town they're in. Um, what's more important is that you choose the night that works best for you. And so you can do that on our app again or on our website. You can go ahead and show that screen if it's ready. Um, and, so, and there's a, just a button. It's right at the very top. You can right here, this register here button. Um, and so we are asking every single one of you because these start next week. Uh, and so we don't want anybody to miss out on it. And here's the reality. Whether you've been here for 33 years and you were here when Dennis and Linda started the church in a school or whether this is your first time ever and you're just checking out or you're just visiting, we believe you are here and God has a reason and a purpose for that. And so you're a part of this and we would love for you to be a part of that. And so um, we don't want anybody to miss out on it. And I treasure the opportunity to just get to spend more personal, meaningful time with each and every one of you. So with that, I would love for you to write, raise your right hand, please. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. You're going to make me a promise. I... State your name. Seriously. Seriously. Most of the time, you guys do really well. Most of the time. Jesus, it's, it's still early. They haven't had enough coffee. Okay, we'll try it again. All right. Let's try this again. I state your name. There it is. Promise. I will sign up for a vision night. Before I go to bed tonight. So help me God. Now, you know what happens if you lie in church, right? I'm just kidding. But no, for real, we want you guys to be able to do that. So they're gonna, they are first come, first serve. So if you only have a couple nights that work for you, jump on that um, right away. And then the other thing is if uh, every week we're going to be giving more details, more of a part of it, we're going to be giving um, all kinds of stuff that you don't want to miss. And so if you can just plan on prioritizing being here every week in February, you won't want to miss it. Uh, and, if, and if, you know, some of you have travel plans, catch us online because there's just a lot of really important things. It really is the vision and the future of where this church is. And for those of you who've, who you've come or you've invited people, you've had to go away and you're in a chapel or you didn't get find a place. We believe God has a solution to that. We are all a part of a solution. And the other reason that we are calling it for everyone is because in order for us to be a church for everyone, it's going to take everyone. And we can't do without you. God's picture of the church, his plan was for a body to come together that could do more than any one person could ever do. In fact, when Jesus said, greater things will they do than those who are here now that they'll believe. What he was saying is he was prophesying about the church that if a whole bunch of people had the same spirit Jesus did and took it into the 
world, while Jesus could only be in one place at one time, there would be all these people that were like Jesus all throughout the world. And so his plan for our life is actually to do stuff as the church that no one person, even Jesus, could do. And we get to be a part of that. We're going to be sharing exciting stories of life change with you. Um, I wish you guys could hear all the stories we hear every single week of what God is doing. And so February is going to be exciting time. It's going to be a historic time. It's going to be a vital time, and we don't want you to miss it. So I I can't wait for you to be there uh, on the weekends in one of our vision nights. With that said, we are going to jump back into our Jumpstart series. I hope you guys have enjoyed the series, the 21 Days of Prayer, the devotionals, uh, the pastors online. Um, I know for a lot of us, even this has just really helped us. And where this idea came from is, you know, 2020 rolled around and uh, January rolled around. It was the start of a new year, start of a new decade. And it's kind of that time where you plan for new goals. Some of us need a jump start to kind of get back on track on some things. Some of us are trying to jump start maybe our relationship with God. Some of us are maybe trying to jump start uh, just some goals in our life. And so we've been kind of journeying through that. And we've been using the, the illustration of just a mechanic and bringing our, our bodies and our minds and our hearts being like a car. And week one, we talked about how Jesus is like the ultimate mechanic and how a lot of us, we've kind of gotten into a practice of taking our problems or our mind or our heart and giving it away to other people and really haven't brought it to the mechanic. And we also talked about how he not only wants to fix the problems that we know of, but he has this ability to heal and fix things that we didn't even know were going on in our heart. And then last week, Pastor Mac talked about prayer and how to have this conversation and kind of running diagnostics and how God wants to speak to us and how we can speak to him. Uh, and so this last week, I want to talk about uh, uh, something that, that I think is, is potentially a game changer. This is going to be really simple. Um, this one is personal for me because what we're going to talk about this weekend is so real. It, it, it absolutely revolutionized my relationship with God, my understanding of him and my understanding of, of who I am to him. Uh, and I hope and I believe it's going to have that same impact on some of us. Um, but first, I just want to remind some of us of who we are. Because we live in this world where God has plans for you. He created you, but you also have an enemy of your soul that, that wants to distract and, and discourage you from that. But the Bible has all kinds of things to say about who you are to God. The Bible says at the beginning that you were created in the image of God. One portion, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants or slaves, but I call you friends. We are sons and daughters of the creator of the universe, which gives us so much purpose, which gives us so much value. Uh, the Bible says that you are more than a conqueror. The Bible says that God has great plans for you. Jesus said, go be salt, go be light, change the world, add value, that I have great things for you. I know the plans I have for you. In fact, whatever you're thinking and dreaming, that he can do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. The Bible is loaded and consistent on what says that is true about us as our identity and our purpose. And I know some of you have experienced that. Some of us are on that journey. But man, every time I hear that and I read it, it just pumps me up. I'm like, I feel like Rocky Balboa. Like, that's right. I am the son of the most high. Like, I'm, I'm William Wallace. Freedom. Like, I'm ready to go kick the devil in the teeth like Karate Kid. Like, let's go. Like, get me in a small group. Get me in church. Get me a little Stephen Furtick. And I'm out the door ready to beat on some devils. You know what I mean? But I don't know if this, you ever, but I don't know if you, and that's, listen, that's how it's supposed to be. I need to be reminded of who I am. But then I don't know if you ever experienced this, but like by the next morning or even by the time I get to the car, like the devil in my mind reminds me, remember what you were looking at on social media last night. Remember the lust that you dealt with, or remember your past that you come out, or you remember how you yelled at the kids or kicked the dog. I don't like have a dog to kick or yell at the kids, but you get my drift. Like all of a sudden we're immediately reminded of the sins that we've done, the mistakes that we've made, we're reminded of the thing that we did. Like, you remember, like, you were about ready to flip that guy off in the church parking lot. Like, oh, yeah. And so I go from, like, William Wallace, Rocky Balboa to, like, oh, I'm Eeyore. Like, oh, I am. Oh, bother. I'm the worst person in the world. God could never use me. I'm a sinner. Like, I'm worthless. 
Like, I don't even know why I thought, I don't even know why I thought God could do any. I, man, I'm a nobody from nowhere. I'm just like the opposite of everything that I thought. Like, listen, I know how foolish I look because I feel it. Uh, but I think that's a great picture. And I know that I'm not the only one. And so we have this, like, we can go so quickly from like, oh, I'm going to change the world to like, yeah, but you know, you're broken and you're mistaken. And, and the devil wants to oppress us. And I don't know a better way to like bring this picture to life than, than the way the great theologian, uh, Ricky Bobby put it. It's all right. You're safe. You're safe. We got you. We're here. I'm a fire. Okay. It's all right. You're not on fire. I knew it. You're lying. I'm fire. There is no fire. Come back here. But something looks wrong. I mean, he's running around like, like he's on fire. Oh, my God, help me. I don't want to die. Oh, stop, drop, and roll. You're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. I'm on fire. You're not on fire. But I'm not even sure he even knows where he's at right now. Mr. Bobby, come on down here. Oh, God. Please don't let the invisible right fire burn, my friend. See, like a good new car, we are built to run efficiently. We are built to run this race. God has good things for our life on, in eternity, has purpose for us on this side of eternity, and we are meant to run this way. But so often, like in that scene, what had happened, he has just gotten in an accident, and really all he had to do was like brush himself off and get going back down the road. But he was convinced it was so much worse than he'd even imagined. Like, I'm on fire, and nobody was going to convince him otherwise. And, you know, uh, he loses his mind. And I, I, as funny as it is, I think that's a picture of what sometimes we feel on the inside because again, the devil, his only, his main weapon in your life is just to condemn you, make you feel shame and make you feel guilty, remind you of your past, remind you. He can't like, he doesn't really have anything other than trying to get you to be distracted, discouraged and derailed from all those things that God says about who you are. And the challenge is we live in this broken world where it's just messy and so it creates this tension and, and I want to talk about this of how do I live like the spiritual Rocky Balboa William Wallace how do I live like more than a conqueror a, ro a royal generation a chosen priesthood how do I live like this guy when I live in this broken world where I'm constantly making mistakes and I'm constantly bombarded with all the, the grossness around me and every time I I go all over and so uh, I want to ask this question is how how do I stay clean in a dirty world? How do you stay clean in a dirty world? And I think as simple as this is, this could literally liberate some of us this morning. And so there's a, a, a small passage, a story of Jesus before he went to the cross that I think lays this out so well. And this might be a familiar passage if you grew up in church uh, it, it, or you know the story, but we're going to look at it from a different angle. And so I'm going to pray because you don't need me to make jokes and entertain you, but we need the creator of the universe to speak to our soul. And we don't need more information. We need transformation. And so Corey can't do that. Only the Holy Spirit can. So let's ask God to do his job and we'll do ours. God, I, I, I put this together. I thank you for the truth of your word that is alive and active and has the ability to speak to us in whatever context we come to you. It's amazing. And so God, I pray now that you would move me out of the way and that you would speak. Your word would come alive, that you would uh, help us to see you for who you are, that we would know who we are. And God, that you would, I, I believe you want to set some people free. You want to encourage some people. You want to draw some people to yourself this weekend. And so speak to us like only you can, God. We open our hearts to hear what you want to say to us in Jesus name. And if you agree with that prayer, say some version of amen. amen. Dilly, dilly. That's what's up. All right. Um, so there and then say there and then. There and then. 
Every week we preach from the there and then aspect of the scripture because we are not just interested in the words of the Bible, but we know that if we know the world of the Bible, it makes the words of the Bible make more sense because some people only look at what the Bible says, but we want to be a church that knows what the Bible means. Amen. Because otherwise we'll make it say things that it doesn't really mean. And so when you look at the context, it comes to life. So a few things that helps to know is the Bible was written, uh, couple thousand years ago in an Eastern world and an Eastern culture and writers and readers in those days were very different than us. And so um, we're a very Western literal uh, culture where for us, words have definitions and meanings. But in, in, in the way the Bible was written and in Jesus's day, words had pictures and metaphors and had multiple meanings and authors and orators were rarely, if ever, just saying one thing at a time. And so the, the readers of the Bible, the readers of the text believe that the word of God was like this gem and that if you turned it in the slightest degree, it would refract new light in a new direction and speak to you on a whole new level. And so when we read the Bible, we're not just looking for the literal words, but we're looking, God, what do you want to show me? And so there's a story that happens and there's all kinds of stacks and layers, but there's this one kind of theme in here that I think gets missed because of the overarching story. And it's right before Jesus is about to go uh, to the cross. He know his time has come. And so what you also have to understand about there and then is Jesus was a Jew. And in that culture, um, a lot of their whole life was built around being ceremonially clean, that there was, you were clean or you were unclean. And they had all kinds of rules about being clean, whether it was the cup and the dish or your feet or bleeding. And, and if you were clean, you could enter the marketplace, you could do business, you could enter the temple, you could enter someone's house. But if you were unclean, you had to kind of stay away so you didn't contaminate somebody else. But the good news was you could get clean up. And then once you got clean, you got to go back in. And so this was that whole, this was that whole culture. And so um, cleanliness was of the utmost importance. And so we're going to read a story that's about cleanliness and we're going to unpack it. And so the setting is this, it's the Passover feast where people gather and Jesus finds a place to eat with his 12 disciples. And they're about to sit down and have a meal. And then the unthinkable in their mind happens. And so we're going to jump into John chapter 13. If you have your Bibles or your app, or if you want to just look at the words on the screen, um, John chapter 13, this is right before the Passover festival. And so they're about to sit down a meal. We're going to jump into verse four and the Bible says this. So Jesus, he, Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. Uh, after that, he poured out water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet, drying them with the feet. Uh, whoa, go back. I'm not that fast. Uh, drying, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now you can go to the next one. He came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? To which Jesus replies, uh, yeah, you do not understand now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Well, no, said Peter, well, you'll never wash my feet. And then Jesus responds, unless I wash you, you actually have no part with me. So to which Peter completely overreacts and says, well, then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head wash all of me as well. And Jesus finishes and says this, oh, Peter, those who have had a bath only need to wash their feet their whole body is clean and you are clean. Now there's a whole story about Jesus serving and lowering himself. And I've taught it dozens and dozens of times and it, it doesn't diminish this, but there's another angle to this I want to talk about. And so it's important to understand that when you would sit in a meal often in those days, as is still a custom in some Eastern culture, the table would be very, very low. Um, and when you sat at the table, you would sit like this and your feet would be in plain sight and the table would be right here. So not only are your feet in plain sight, 
but um, your feet are also very close to the table and they would be dirty. And so, and this was pretty common. And so in those days, it was the job of the lowest servant, the lowest servant of the house to be the person to wash the feet. Because in those, they also didn't have paved roads. This was 2000 years ago. They didn't have Nikes and Jordans and Under Armour gear. Um, They had flip-flops and they had dirt roads. They didn't have paved roads. They didn't have sidewalks. Well, I mean, I guess we don't have sidewalks either, but they didn't didn't have any of that. we're getting some, I heard. Uh, but so you would get dirty when you walked. And so there were the lowest person in any household or servant, his job was just to wash the feet when people came in so it wouldn't get tracked through the house. And so you would have, be clean so you could eat this meal. Well, for whatever reason in this story, there was no servant to do that. And none of the other disciples thought to take it upon themselves to wash their, each other's feet. And so Jesus grabs a towel, grabs a basin and starts washing their feet. And that's the most interesting thing happens that I think is so us and how this applies to our lives. Because he's, I just imagine he's going around the table and he's washing feet and he's washing feet and he's done like five or six or seven because there are 12 of them. And then he gets to Peter and Peter asks a brilliant question. What are you doing? Right? Like you ever been doing something for a long time and have one of your kids be like, Hey, so what are you doing? Like, well, I've been cleaning the house for four hours. I feel like it's pretty obvious. (laughs) Right? So Peter's like, Jesus, what are you doing? You're not going to wash my feet. And then Jesus says something really interesting. He says, Actually, if I don't wash you, if we don't have a connection, if you don't let me cleanse you, you can't have any part of me. To which Peter goes like all Ricky Bobby. And he's like, well, then don't just wash my feet. Wash all of me. Wash my head and my hands and wash, give me a bath. And, and Jesus has this, he's, like, he's just listening to Peter like go, I'm on fire. To which Jesus basically responds like, dude, chill. That's the Greek version. Dude, chill. It's the Hebrew and the Greek, actually. It's the same. Uh, He says, chill out, because he's trying to teach Peter a lesson. Because see, here's the deal. Jesus came here on a mission to go seek and save the lost and teach others how to do the same. And he called those to himself and he says, I believe you can be like me. And so they're on mission. But the problem is they had to walk on these dirty roads. And so they had to clean up their feet. And Jesus is sending the most simple, yet I believe most profound, like even theological idea about what it means to live clean in a dirty world. Because in those days, it was not possible to walk on a dirty road and remain clean. And it's a picture and a metaphor. And Jesus is sending us the same message for here and now today is that it is not possible to walk in a dirty world and remain clean. When God set this whole thing up at the beginning, it was perfect and everything was good, but we had, with our own free will, we seized autonomy, defined good and evil for ourselves, and we've just messed it up and it's gotten dirty and it's gotten chaotic. And Jesus is not in heaven going like, well, how in the world did these people get so dirty? Because this world is broken. There's so much dirty. There's so much stuff. Yet we still have this problem because we're supposed to be doing things, but we get dirty. And some of us, man, if we could just really get this, because this is is where it starts for some of us. And this was a, a game changer for me. When I realized that Jesus had a mission for me in a dirty world, but it also wasn't possible to go into a dirty world and remain clean, that's exactly the theme of this story. I mean, you think about just everyday stuff, going to work, the, the conversations, the negativity, the gossip, the break room stuff, all that stuff you feel. Some of you, you go to a school, a college or high school, and you think about the drama and you think about the negativity and you think about the bullying and all the, the sexual stuff. And you see what's online on social media and the movies and the, you go to, I mean, even I take my daughter to some of these movies and, and like, we have to protect her from the advertisements uh, and the previews because it's stuff she's not ready for. And like, there's just no way to be in this world. You go to the grocery store and people are complaining and you got this and, and then it gets cold and iguanas are falling. And my God, like, when does it stop? Like, like, it's just, this place is broke. I mean, 
And then you get on the car and you drive home and everybody's driving slow in the Cape and you're going to lose your mind. What do we do? And, and Jesus is like, yeah, like I know it's dirty. It's why I came. And some of us have carried years, if not decades of guilt and condemnation. And we have excluded ourselves from being who God made us to be. And we have convinced ourselves that we cannot have the life that God has for us because this dirty world keeps getting us dirty and you think God is mad at you. When in fact, this story is all about the fact that it's not possible to walk in a dirty world and remain clean. And so what happens is this dirt that we're calling, it's called sin. And sin is not something that makes God hate you. It doesn't mean you can't come to church. It doesn't mean you are less than. Sin is just simply when we miss the mark of missing God's best in our life. And so when that happens, most of us, we either have one of two reactions. We either try to minimize it and make it no big deal. Well, everybody does it. At least I'm not as bad as my coworkers and the neighbors and the other teachers or the other construction workers or whatever. Or we go full Ricky Bobby mode. I'm on fire. I'm the worst. God hates me. I'm like, I can't. I'm not the chosen one. I can't be. I'm no good. And it's in the middle where we find life and where we find truth and where we find mission and we find reality. Because here's the craziest part about this. We live in this dirty world. Yet the very last thing Jesus said. Does anybody remember the Great Commission? He has all these disciples and he said, he said, stay, hide out, preserve yourself, create a Petri dish. And as long as you don't get stained by the world, you can go to heaven and it's too bad for the suckers that don't know me. That's what he said, right? Oh, oh no. Okay. So my church knows a little bit about the Bible. Good. No. What'd he say? Go into all the world, pull people out of hell, reach the lost, find them, save them, do what you got to do. So people can know me, go into all the world, make disciples, proclaim my name, baptize them in the name of the father. He said, go. So Jesus knowingly sent us, his disciples into a dirty world. So he didn't say stay and remain clean. He said, go knowing it would be messy. Do you hear that church? Some of you are like, I don't know what to do with this. Where are we going? Well, point three will kind of clear this all up. But we got to understand that we live in a dirty world. And so we have to go. We have to be on mission. And whether you're a pastor or a mom or a dad or a construction worker or a fireman or a, or a, 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 a business owner or a teacher or a doctor, it doesn't matter. God has uniquely designed you on purpose with a purpose. And he wants to use your giftings and your skills and your wiring. And he wants to use your wins and your losses and your past and your education. And he has something great for you to do that will both uh, help you to understand what it means to be a servant of his as well as bring glory to his life. And you can do that in all kinds of ways. But again, Many of us are running around like we're on fire because we're dirty. And Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to go. Where I started to learn this is when I first came into ministry, we were doing um, public school assemblies, not the lame ones that most of you had when you were in school. Ours was awesome. Um, it really was. It was about bullying. It was about dreams. And I mean, it, I've never seen anything like it. And, uh, and so we would go in, but we spoke the language of the students at the kind of demise of maybe some of the principals and teachers. And so we were public school. So we didn't talk about Jesus. We didn't play Newsboys and Carmen, if you know what that is. Uh, we played their music. We spoke their language. And so we're listening to hip hop and we're listening to rap and, and, and we're listening to a country, which is like worse. Um, and we're listening to, <laughs> depending on what school we went into, uh, 
Uh, we're listening to all this stuff. And now we took out all the cussing, but still, like, we're talking about women and shotguns and da-da-da-da. I mean, it was like, and then we would do the school assembly, and we'd have these kids, we'd stay for two or three or four hours, and they would just pour their hearts out. They would tell us about abuse. They would tell us about rape. They would tell us about drug problems that nobody knows. I mean, we had knives given to us. We had guns given to us. We had to call police officers. We've had to call counselors. We've flushed drugs down toilets with principals. I mean, you name it, we saw it. And so we would go in there for two or three hours with all these lyrics and all this gross, and we were on mission to go help kids, but we would walk out and we're like, dear God, this is heavy. And our pastor at the time taught us something so simple, but so profound. And, and I, we were, he was saying, guys, let me tell you how to do this because it's, it's rough what we go into. And so he would say, so he taught us that every time that we were pulling the stuff into the truck and we were loading up, he was just teaching us. He said, I always pray. I, I, and he taught us what he would pray. He would say, we would learn to pray. God, wash those lyrics out of my head. I don't want to be thinking that. I don't want to have that anger that's behind that music. I don't want those lyrics and those words playing around in my head. I don't want that to come out of my kids. I don't want that to come out in my work. I don't want that to come out on my team. Um, the, the weight of that depression, the weight of that abuse, the weight of that suicidal thoughts. Like, God, you got to cleanse me. I can't carry this. I need you to have it. And so we would go in dirty and then we learned to pray on our way out. God, wash me. And what he was teaching us was how to let Jesus wash our feet when we went into a dirty world. Now, you may never be on a ministry team that goes into a public school and has that, but you can put that into your own context. Because some of you, every day at work, it's like you can't help but get that. It's negativity. It's gossip. You go, I mean, you name it. You guys know the world we live in. And so for us, it was, it was this idea. He's like, I just, he taught us how to have Jesus wash our feet because Jesus didn't tell the church to isolate. He told the church to infiltrate. You hear that? That should really excite us. That, that's, he didn't say preserve. Now listen, I'm not saying don't have boundaries. I'm not saying go play in the mud. I'm not saying, I mean, we're, I'm not saying uh, as parents, we have things we don't let in our house. We don't have, there's music and movies we don't watch. As, as adults, there's music and movies we don't watch. There's language we don't say. I'm not saying don't have boundaries, but I'm saying you gotta be realistic that when you go on mission, you're going to get dirty. I grew up in the Midwest and it would rain a lot in the spring. Uh, and in, in the Midwest, we have dirt, which turns to mud when you rain it. We have sand here, so I know some of you don't know what that's like. But we would have mud. Once in a while, it would pour, and all the neighbor kids would go play in the mud. We'd literally slide in the mud. And we would ask our mom, Mom, can we go play in the mud? And she would actually say yes. And so it was, we would always get our oldest clothes. We knew we'd never see them again. Um, we'd get our clothes, and we would like go out and just get mud everywhere. But one thing that I was, what never happened, my mom would never say, yeah, go play in the mud. And before we walked out, she would never say, now before you go, just remember, don't get dirty. <laughs> there was never an expectation that we weren't going to get dirty. She knew we were going to get dirty. And so the plan was, because you're going to get dirty, as soon as you come in, leave your clothes here, go take a bath. That's such a great picture of what Jesus, I believe, is saying. And I believe there's so many of us that we aren't being used and we aren't being who we're made to be because the devil has you beat down, laying down, I'm on fire, when you just need to be reminded that you are the son and the daughter of the Most High. He has a plan for your life. Nothing you've ever done excludes you for the plan he has. But some of us are convinced that God is so mad at us because we're dirty. And, but Jesus knows you can't be in a dirty world and stay clean. Because he didn't say stay and stay clean. He said go knowing it would be messy. So what's the anecdote? It's this whole story. What do we need? We just need Jesus to regularly wash our feet. And this is where that prayer life that Pastor Mac was talking about last week talk comes in. It's a regular ongoing conversation. It's self-awareness, recognizing attitudes, recognizing mindsets, recognizing things that come in. And rather than, rather than, uh, than having a God who's angry with you, I, somebody said this to me after one service, like, man, they, so I had a young man say, I've always pictured God with a baseball bat and a lightning rod ready to strike me every time I make a mistake. I said, honestly, I, th I think you're in the majority. 
because I lived that for about a quarter of a century. He said, it changes everything when I have a picture that Jesus is actually just holding a rag in a basin. He's going, hey, come here, let me clean you up. So what, what do we do when we get dirty? Jesus just wants to wash your feet. God, I was on social media and I was looking at stuff and, and, and I was, and I was, you know, I'm not proud of it and I'm still struggling and you just need Jesus to wash your feet. God, I, I keep getting sucked into the constant negativity at my work and I feel bad about it. And I know I'm not speaking life and I know I'm not adding value and I, I exploded on the kids. You just need Jesus to wash your feet. We just need Jesus to wash our feet. And some of us, it's been so long since we came to Jesus because we think he's so mad at us and he did all this stuff. And he's just saying, remember what I did for you. Like, I just want to wash your feet. Like, I'm the one. Like, you don't got to run from me. And this is maybe going to mess up some of your theology, but maybe you've been told that every time you make a mistake and every time you sin, you put Jesus back on the cross. I'm going to respectfully disagree with that. Jesus came and was beaten and died one time ever for all of mankind, for every sin, every mistake, every person, every society. He did it once and for all for the atonement for all the history of mankind. He, he, listen, this is going to change some of your life right here. He doesn't need to do it again. Do you know what he needs to do? Wash our feet. Because when he came and died, anybody who receives that and receives him as Lord, that's called salvation. It's called being born again. It's I'm putting my life and my trust in him. And that happens. And some of you have been told every time you make a mistake, you put Jesus back on the cross. No, every time you make a mistake, you are going into a dirty world and you're getting dirty. And Jesus is standing there waiting with a bowl and a rag going, can I clean that up for you? I'm the only one that can do what you're looking for. And so if you make a regular act of being honest and go, man, my attitude, man, my heart, my words, my, my this, my, I'm struggling. I went out with the boys and I had too many drinks and I'm not proud of it. Jesus just needs to wipe your feet because it's not, God isn't, God, God isn't in heaven going, yeah, you should feel so bad. I want you to stay down and do nothing with your life. Does that sound like our heavenly father? Who does that sound like? The enemy of our soul. You know what God is? He's like, let me clean you up. Get back out there. Yeah, but I might get dirty in 10 more minutes. Well, guess what? I'll still be standing here right here with the bowl and the towel. Just come back. I'll clean your feet. Get going back out there. I'll clean your feet. Get going back out there. Man, Pastor Court, do you know what? Do you know, there are days this happens dozens of times before lunch for me. Meetings, people, driving in the cave. I mean, I'm being real. Stuff I'm not proud of, judgment, stuff I struggle with. I'm like, God, how am I so messed up? But it's the condemnation that's going to keep you from being who you are. And it's the condemnation that's going to keep you from going where you're meant to go. And Jesus is just saying, let me wash your feet. How much would it change our lives and our relationship with God if rather than seeing God as a father who's angry with a lightning rod and a baseball bat, we saw a savior who gave his life on our behalf with a bowl and a towel and goes, here's the deal. You're going to need my help. So every time you get dirty, you just need me. Come back and I'll wipe you up and I'm going to get you going back down the road because it's the devil that's going to condemn you and he's the liar and he's, he's going to do that. I'm going to be the one that reminds you that you're my, still my son. Get back out there. You're still a chosen generation. You're still a royal priesthood. You're still a son and daughter of the most high. You're still more than a conqueror even though it doesn't feel like it because some of us are convinced that we've been defeated when we sin and Jesus is like, no, you're still more than a conqueror. You're just a dirty conqueror. Let me clean you up. A dirty conqueror. And when I discovered this, it revolutionized my relationship with God because now I come to him all the time. I'm like, man, God, like I, I'm just messing up. I, I, I'm comparing myself to all these guys and I'm distracted and all this stuff. Just, I just need you to wash my feet. I got irritated. I got angry. I don't love how I handled that. And I was, I, I was kind of interruptive. And I, man, we wash my feet. And when I realize that God's not mad at me for that, and I'm like, he's the anecdote, rather than run from him every time I get dirty, I've learned to run to him every time I get dirty. And it's liberating. It's absolutely liberating. Because Jesus came one time as a sacrifice to pay for all of the sins of all of mankind. And we call that salvation. But he also came as a servant 
to wash our feet. And we call that sanctification is the church word. And it's the act of getting clean when you, when you get dirty. And I wonder if there's anybody watching or anybody in the chapel or anybody in here who you've been avoiding God, you've been avoiding church, you've been avoiding a relationship because you're just convinced he's ready to strike you down with that magic lightning rod if you get too close. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm the only one that can clean you up. You don't understand what I'm doing, but later you will. And some of us, if we would be less like Peter and Ricky Bobby, like, oh, I'm on fire, wash all of me. He's like, no, you, salvation is a one-time thing. Putting your faith in your heart in Jesus. Yes, and if you've never done that, you have the opportunity right here today to say, man, if this is the kind of God you're talking about and that's how Jesus is, I'm in, like I'm in. It's why so many of us are here, we're in. Like he's that good. It really is that good of news, it really is. And the Bible just teaches anyone who calls on his name, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. If you receive that, if you receive that grace and redemption, like you're his, that's salvation, you're good. He doesn't need to go back on the cross, but he probably needs to wash you up pretty regularly. And so that's just confession and repentance and honesty and humility and self-awareness and regularly needing a savior. And it doesn't make you feel worse. It makes you honor and love him more. Because Romans tells me that there's no height, nor depth, nor angel, nor demon, nor things present, nor things past, and nothing in all of creation could separate me from the love of Christ Jesus. That's what, I, that's what my Bible says. So when was the last time you let Jesus wash away all your stuff? I find it only appropriate to end this message and this series by taking communion together. Now you'll notice we got new communion cups. It takes a master's degree to figure this out. There's a little clear plastic. You open that first and you get the really gross styrofoam bread. And then there's another silver one and that's you get the juice. And while you're doing that and we all can hear you doing it, um, I just want to remind us communion is a time for us to contemplate and reevaluate and ask ourselves, how am I doing in my commitment to Christ? Taking a moment and pushing pause and saying, man, where am I at with my relationship with Jesus? Am I, am, I, am, I, am I fulfilling my commitment? So today what I want it to be, I want to make it a little more personal. Number one, if you have never received Jesus in your life, we're just going to create a moment and in your heart, in your mind, you just say, Jesus, I want in. I want in on this. I receive you. And you can receive salvation. And if you're here and you've already received salvation, then this is just going to be a personal moment where we can just take a minute and ask Jesus to wash our feet. You obviously know I'm not talking about literally, but what do you have in your life? What's, what stain, what pattern, what thing, where have you been avoiding God? And he just wants to clean you up and get you back on mission. Some of you, you can leave here free. John 3:16 says, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. You know what John 3:17 says? He did not come to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn the world. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so if you're able physically, would you just stand as we take a moment and reflect on God and we just have a moment to receive communion together and then I'm going to pray and we'll close. But in a dinner similar to the one we read about tonight, right before, the night before Jesus went to the cross, he did this and it was a symbol. It says he took the bread and he broke it and he shared it with all the disciples and he said, make a regular practice of this. Do it. And every time you do it, remember my body that was bruised and given, broken, for the remission and the, and of your sins and your transgressions. Jesus willingly laid his body on the life, on the line, so we could experience salvation. Let's remember Jesus and his body that was broken. And in a very similar fashion, he took the cup and he passed it around and he said, every single one of you drink. And when you drink, do this to remember my blood that was spilled. It was the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice that all, could, all men could come to me if they freely receive. And so as we receive this, I, I wanna, we're going to take the, the, the juice in just a minute. But as we do, I just want to give you a few seconds and just have a moment to contemplate and reflect. 
And if there's any area where you just need to come back to Jesus and say, I need you to wash my feet. I just want you to have a moment before I pray and, and dismiss us. But let's remember Jesus who put his body and his blood on the line so that we could experience freedom and salvation. Let's remember Jesus. when I hear stories like this, when I read stories like this, I, I, how could I not be in love with you? How could we not just be enamored? You, you, you didn't leave anything out. You, even though we're the ones that kind of messed this thing up, you were the ones that not just had a solution, but you are the solution. And God, we thank you that you came and you sent your son Jesus to live and perfect and die so that we could experience salvation on the other side of eternity as well as purpose and mission on this side of eternity. But you didn't stop there, but you're not, you're not upset. You're not confused when we come dirty, when we get dirty in this dirty world because you knew when you sent us on dirty roads, our feet were going to get dirty. And so God, we, we ask you just to wash us, wash our hearts, wash our minds. God, that we would get in the pattern, the habit of regular prayer, regular conversation, humility, self-awareness. And rather than run from you when we feel that guilt or that shame or that condemnation, that we would run to you knowing that you're just holding a bowl and a towel ready to wash us off. Jesus, thank you for doing what only you could do. I pray, God, that if there's anybody who's been bound by just a spirit of religiosity, a spirit of religion that says it has to be a certain way or look a certain way or, or there's been so much guilt and shame it's kept them kind of in the penalty box or kept them from being who they're meant to be or doing what they're meant to do, would you release them by the power of your spirit in the name of Jesus? God, I pray that we would walk out of here free, walk out of here liberated, knowing that we're not going to get it perfect and knowing that sin is a big deal. We're not going to minimize it, but it doesn't set us on fire and we don't put you on the cross and it doesn't disqualify us. But Jesus, we just need to make a regular practice of remembering you, coming to you and letting, us clean, letting you clean us up. God, help us to be who you made us to be. Help us to live the truth. Let the truth get in us, God, and may we be light. May we be salt. God, help us to lead other people to you in whatever context you place us in. And God, we just love you and we celebrate you for what you're doing, not just in our city, not just in our church, but in our hearts and our lives. God, we don't want this just to be information. Let it get in our hearts and let it lead to transformation this week and moving forward as we jumpstart a relationship with you we've never had before. In Jesus' name, amen.